Hey guys, uh, welcome to this edition of Midwest Kidney Warriors uh, with Focus on the Warrior. I guess today it's safe to say we're probably going to be focusing on something I've went uh, through my whole life, which is Eagle Barrett Syndrome or Prune Belly Syndrome. Uh, we're going to learn about what actually Eagle Barrett Syndrome is, uh, what conditions uh, look like when you have Eagle Barrett Syndrome, what are some things that you go through with Eagle Barrett Syndrome, and some of the health effects on your life. Um, I know with me, I'm 47 years old. I've lived with this my whole life. Um, it's uh, something I've dealt with, so I don't know anything different, I guess. So, you know, a lot of people ask, uh, you know, how, how have you dealt with it? And, and I say, I don't know. I don't know anything different. But uh, I do want to talk about this a little bit and kind of give people an idea because I know there's uh, support groups out there for prune belly syndrome. And it's something that a lot of people aren't uh, used to hearing about. It's a very, very rare thing. Uh, one in 40,000 are, are born with this. So uh, when I was born with this in 1974, I didn't know, buddy, I didn't know anybody. Uh, that have this condition, but uh, I'm going to be bringing some graphics up that I'm going to be sharing, and this is going to be from the Cleveland Clinic. There was kind of an article that I think explains everything really, really good um, and uh, kind of gives a good breakdown on stuff on what exactly prune belly syndrome is. And so here this kind of explains that it's just a rare condition. It gets its name because of weak or absent abdominal uh, wall muscles and an infant's belly is all wrinkled. Uh, the best way I like to think of it is the prune. That They call it prune belly syndrome because, well, it looks like a prune when a baby's born. The other name for this is called eagle barrett syndrome, which, again, if you think of what a baby eagle looks like when they got that big belly and little bitty body, that's kind of uh, how, how a child looks when they're born with this. Um, but the, the treatments for this um, just kind of depends, depends on the uh, condition and the severity of the condition. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot of children that don't survive this. Uh, a lot do require surgeries. And uh, most, like myself, have been able to lead fairly normal uh, lives. Um, I've had a lot of surgeries over my life. Uh, I think somewhere close to 60 or more. But uh, a lot of reconstructions and things. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit more. But let me kind of go down a little bit about um, prune barrel, about prune belly syndrome. Um, like I said earlier, it's a, it's a rare condition. It's present at birth. Prune belly syndrome has really three main uh, features. So a baby's abdominal muscles are going to be weak or they're going to be absent. And as a result, the skin is going to be very wrinkled and look like a prune. Uh, with a child that's a male, which this happens, I think, in like 90% of births, uh, people with prune belly syndrome are 90% of the time are going to be boys but their testicles fail to drop inside the body and down into the scrotum. And uh, there's problems with how the baby's urinary tract system works. So um, I've experienced this uh, myself. I've had reconstruction on my urinary tract as an infant. I've got a scar that basically goes from about four inches above my belly button and all the way down. Uh, so it goes kind of down and then over like this. So it's down my stomach and then over and that way they could open me completely up and they had to run new urethras from my kidneys down to my bladder and uh, uh well it, uh, until that started working i actually had um i think they called it nephrostomies in uh, each of my kidneys and my back so i was urinating in bags in my back um when i was an infant and uh the the 
testicles has also been an issue that I've dealt with. I think I've had four or five of those surgeries up until fifth grade where they had to pull those down. Uh, actually, the right one got removed. But uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I kind of tend to walk left. No, just kidding. But I, I, I've got uh, I've got I've got Leroy. I just don't have Robert anymore. So uh, they took those out at a pretty uh, young age and or took one out at a fairly young age. But uh, that's a typical uh, surgery. Uh, that's going to happen for people with Eagle Barrett syndrome, uh, where they're going to have to have uh, their tes testicles brought from in from their stomach and brought down into the sac for for reconstruction on the urinary tract. Those are two things I've gone through myself. Um, it can also uh, Prune Belly syndrome can also affect your hearts and your lungs, your kidneys, your intestines, your skeletal system. Just it just depends on you know what happened while uh, you were you know, in your mother's stomach. So uh, with me, luckily, I've not had heart issues or lung issues, um, very little intestinal issues. Um, and then skeletal system, I've had no issues, but I have with my kidneys, of course, I, I had kidney failure, um, had my first transplant when I was 22 years old. And uh, then I had another transplant in 2019, followed by another transplant in 2021. So I'm a three-time kidney recipient myself. And uh, so I'm, I'm on my third kidney now. I'm doing great and things are going really good. I've actually not had that for very long, only four months. Uh, but kidney disease is something that's pretty prevalent in uh, people with prune belly syndrome. So uh, we'll go down here about who gets this. Like I was saying earlier, this happens in about one of every 30 to 40,000 babies. And of course, okay, here's where it says, and uh, it mostly happens in boys. And that's going to be in about 95% of the cases uh, for prune belly syndrome. So, uh, which is interesting um, to me and, and the one in 40,000, because like I said, when I was born with this, uh, until there was internet, I didn't know of anybody else with Eagle Barrett syndrome um, at all. Uh, so to, for me to be a part of the prune belly syndrome network, which um, I'm going to put their website uh, and scroll that on the bottom here. Uh, it's a very good organization, prunebelly.org. So if you want to uh, check those guys out, please check them out. They got a lot of good information on there too for you. But uh, but until I found out about that network, I didn't know of anybody else uh, out there that had the same condition as me. So it's very it's a very rare condition as well. Um, but prune, prune belly syndrome is uh, congenital, uh, which means that you're born with it and then no one knows what the cause of it is. Uh, typically, uh, they do think it is something that is hereditary. Uh, they can see it in siblings, uh, in a brother and a sister. You know, it could happen. Uh, for me, I don't know anyone in my family personally that's ever had Pringbelly syndrome before. So uh, I don't know about a grandfather or aunt or uncle or any cousins or nobody uh, that I'm familiar with that's, that's had this. But uh, as you can see here, they've seen Pringbelly syndrome where it says in siblings, which may mean it's uh, genetic or it runs in the family. In addition, the condition is be seen in children with trisomy 18 and 21, which just means Down syndrome, uh, that, that they've seen that, seen that in cases as well. So we'll talk a little bit about signs and symptoms here, which is pretty easy to recognize, but Primbelly syndrome has many signs. There's over 50. Symptoms can vary from baby to baby your healthcare provider is going to be able to make the diagnosis based on physical exams and tests. So
So uh, here's some of the symptoms here is that you can have uh, wrinkled or prune-like appearance of the abdominal wall. And then of course, this is gonna be due to the absence or poor development of your stomach muscles. Uh, you're gonna have a large abdominum with loops of intestines that can be seen uh, through the skin of the abdominal wall. Uh, the testicles that fail to go down into the scrotum, urinary tract problems, including enlarged or blocked ureters, enlarged kidneys, enlarged bladder, and uh, stomach and intestinal problems, heart structural problems, and musculoskeletal abnormalities, including scoliosis and, and club foot. Interesting enough, the club foot kind of pertains to me a little bit. You know, I, I've always walked with my feet outward like this. Um, I always thought it was because of, you know, when I laid down and when I had those surgeries with the testicles brought down, I had to lay with my legs open, almost like if you lay a frog on its back, how its legs are going to be laid out. Uh, that's that's how I always laid. But evidently that was from my uh, prune belly syndrome. So I, I had never realized that until later in life. So I just always assumed it was from surgeries. But interesting enough, that's that's a cause. And to this day, I am still most comfortable laying in that frog. I like to call it that frog-like position, you know, with my legs cocked out like that. Um, I also do have an enlarged bladder. Um, when they did my kidney transplant, one of the things they talked about was self-catheterization, uh, doing a fully cath because my bladder can hold about 600 milliliters of fluid, which is about a, which is a liter uh, or a half a liter. A liter is going to hold a thousand. So I'm pretty close to a thousand milliliters. In fact, I know it goes bigger than that because after transplant, you have to measure your, your urine output. And there were times when I was urinating a liter of fluid. So I know my kidney can expand that much. But um, one of the things that caused my kidney failure was my enlarged bladder as well. Because when I had reconstruction on my urinary tract, they had to put the ureters in. So I didn't, I had tubes that went from my uh, born, my birth kidneys that went down to my uh, bladder. But because my bladder was so enlarged, urine still backed up into those kidneys and that's what actually caused them to fail. So anyone that does have a child with Eagle Barrett syndrome, uh, I think it's very important to find out about what that bladder structure is and ask the doctors if maybe that child needs to catheterize or you as a parent teach that child how to catheterize so they can go to the restroom once or twice a day using the catheterization, the fully catheterization. So that way they don't end up having kidney uh, failure later in time because urine can back up into that kidney and it can kill it because it can poison it. It's urine. It's not supposed to set in the kidney. It's supposed to drain. And so you can have issues with that. So uh, some children may need to catheterize. That was something they didn't know for me at the time because like I said, it was so kind of new back in the day. So uh, I, I wasn't aware of those types of things that needed to be done. Uh, but I don't know if my ureters were blocked or not. That's a, that's a case that can happen a lot of times in this as well, as you can see uh, under here. All I know is mine were replaced with uh, tubing and my kidneys were normal size, actually. I just had the enlarged bladder that, uh, that uh, you know, caused urine to back up in them. And then my stomach is enlarged as well. Now, when I was younger, I was skinny and small, and so you didn't see it. But now that I'm 47 years old, I look like I have a pot belly. I do wear, and I'll, I'll stand up here, I do wear an abdominal binder, if you can see this uh, at all. And that actually helps me to be more comfortable because I don't have any abdominal muscles holding uh, 
you know, things together like your uh, intestinal tract and things like that. So wearing an abdominal binder is actually comfortable to me. And I've worn this my whole life ever since I can remember. I've been wearing this even when I go swim and I wear it. Um, I do not wear it to bed. That's a question I get asked all the time. Do I wear it at night? No, I don't. At night, I sleep on my stomach and I'm perfectly fine or I'll sleep on my side and I'm perfectly fine. But I found that wearing this abdominal binder is comfortable to me. Um, they do have a plastic surgery that they can do for people nowadays uh, where they can actually do an abdominal plasty to tighten in the stomach so there is more comfort. Uh, for me, that was something, again, I'd never known about um, since, you know, I was born with this in a time when it wasn't as, as widely known. So um, I never had any type of reconstruction surgery or abdominal plasty, I guess you could say, on my on my abdominal area. So I've always just dealt with the with the large stomach and, and used a binder. I always call it my myrtle, like a girdle for a man, a myrtle, man girdle. So that's just how I've always referred to it. But anyways, let's let's go on here and then I'll talk more about some of my situations. So how is prune belly syndrome diagnosed? Well, it can often be found during a fetal ultrasound uh, where you're still pregnant and your doctor can usually tell by looking at the baby after he's born that he has a prune belly syndrome. So how did my mom know? She didn't know until I was born. Uh, they must not have known to look for it on an ultrasound or didn't even think about it to look for an ultrasound. Uh, all I know is I was born in a little hospital uh, here in Mahaska County, Iowa, Oskaloosa, Iowa. And the first thing the doctor says to my mom is, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. And my mom freaked out wanting to know what was wrong with her baby and they knocked her out. When she came to, uh, she had been found out that I had been taken to the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics, which is a specialized hospital in Iowa City, Iowa. And that's how uh, my days went from birth. Uh, so they didn't know about it ahead of time. Uh, it was found out after uh, I was taking, <laughs> taken from the hospital I was born, shipped to another hospital about an hour and a half from here. And uh, then they looked into it and found out what my issues were. And uh, then from there is when I had the exploratory surgeries and they had seen the other issues with the urinary tract and, and uh, did the corrections from there. So, okay, now how is prune belly syndrome treated? So the treatment plan is gonna be based on the unique needs. Uh, there's gonna be a team of specialists. You'll have nephrologists and you'll have neurologists. You'll have a lot of people in there and depending on the organs that are uh, affected. So. You might need pulmonary and different things like that. But anyways, uh, they'll uh, develop the treatment plan and many, many, factor, many, many factors are going to be included in this. So they'll look at the overall health of the baby, the age of the child, the extent to the medical conditions and the ability of the baby to tolerate and survive certain treatments, the child's outlook for the future. And then, of course, the parents wishes. So for me, uh, I had probably spent uh, the first three years of my life in the hospital. Uh, there was times I had gone home and everything, but from what I know from my parents there, uh, you know, I was in the hospital quite a bit and uh, because I had a lot of different issues and a lot of stuff I, I still don't even know. I've seen my medical files. All they know is they're long, they're big. I've never really cared to read them uh, just because, again, it's nothing that uh, that's affected me personally. Um, I know that I've had corrective surgeries made to a lot of things on my body inside of there, mainly the urinary tract, uh, my intestines, and, uh, uh, you know, in, in the bladder. So 
I know I've had those surgeries. What they actually were, or what they did, I, I don't have a clue. Uh, unfortunately, maybe that's wrong of me not to know. I've just never cared to know because I don't look at the negatives. All I do is look at positives and I want to keep moving forward with this. But uh, every child, again, it's going to have uh, the severity is going to be different from child to child. Um, I know for me uh, in high school, well, I should say even grade school, uh, I started wrestling. Uh, I wrestled from when I was in fourth grade all the way up until uh, high school and a little bit beyond that. And not even uh, that, I played football. I wore rib pads around my stomach. So if I ever got a high impact on my abdominal area, I had rib pads as some type of protection. Because as you know, there's nothing protecting those organs. So if you get hit there, it can be very dangerous for internal bleeding and certain things like that. I played tennis. I played baseball. I went out for track and field. Uh, prune belly syndrome didn't hold me back from doing anything that I ever wanted to do, uh, except for going to the Marine Corps, which is one thing I desperately wanted to do was go to the Marines, but I was not able to because of it. But when it came to any other sport or physical activity, it's never stopped me and I've not allowed it to stop me. Um, so going on uh, on here about uh, the treatments of it, uh, the next paragraph here just says, in the mildest of cases, some babies with prune belly syndrome may only need antibiotics to treat or prevent urinary tract infections. So I've had UTI several times growing up in my life. Uh, I don't know why it happens. I think it's because of that enlarged bladder uh, that you can get a lot of protein and yeast and things like that that can just build up. So I think that's kind of where a lot of that comes from. I'm not a doctor, so I can't say. I'm just giving my opinion. Uh, but most babies do, uh, or even young children, do get a lot of urinary tract infections. Uh, and, of course, what it says on here is most baby, babies are going to need several surgeries to repair the abdominal wall and the genitals uh, to the lower uh, to lower your boy's uh, testicles into the scrotum and the bladder, the urinary tract problems, things like that with reconstruction that I've already talked about. Yeah, I've had all of that. Um, you know, I've, I've had some, some stuff done to my abdominal wall on the inside. I've had to have, you know, the testicles brought down. I had that done four or five times because they did keep going up even after they brought them down. And I did have reconstruction on the urinary tract as well. So. What can I expect if my child is diagnosed with prune belly syndrome? So the outlook for children with prune belly syndrome depends on the severity of their condition. So approximately 40% of children with prune belly syndrome will have normal kidney function despite other mild urinary tract problems and can grow to have fairly normal lives. Some children with prune belly syndrome have medical problems throughout life. About 30% of those will need a kidney transplant in their lifetime. People live with prune belly syndrome need lifelong follow-up care to make sure there are no problems with their urinary system. So follow-up care also helps reduce the possibility of kidney damage. So let's go back to when I was 21 years old and I was just uh, working and uh, I was building scaffold and I was kind of doing some training and I was really sick. I was getting bloody noses. I was feeling like I was going to pass out. I was just sicker than heck. And I'd gone to a few different doctors that had told me I had the flu. It wasn't until I actually had gone to my family doctor where she drew some labs and checked my creatinine. Creatinine is going to be your kidney function. My creatinine was over 13, 1, 3, which is very high. Uh, normal creatinine needs to be under 1.3 or 1.2 is what my hospital likes. But in any case, mine was a 13. 
So immediately she called the University of Iowa hospitals and had me go visit them about this. Uh, I didn't have a doctor that was the uh, most caring person. He told me, Shane, you're in kidney failure. You have one year to live if you don't get a transplant. That was the news that I had gotten at 21 years old that um, I basically had a year to live if I didn't get a kidney, uh, which was very scary to myself and to my mom to be told that by a doctor at the time. Uh, we had no idea that kidney damage was something from Eagle Barrett syndrome, but because um, of that urine building up in my bladder and backing up into those kidneys, that's what caused them to go bad over time. And I was not catheterizing to help get rid of that, nor did we even think that that was something that needed to be done because again, this was something new to us. So uh, that, yeah, that was a difficult time to, to deal with those types of things. Now, luckily my brother at the time, he was 25, came and he said, bro, you got my kidney whenever you need it. And then five months later in September of 1997, I got a transplant and uh, his kidney ended up lasting me 23 years. So uh, that was a huge blessing uh, that my brother came forward with that. But, um, but again, the good part is 40% of children, like it says on here, are going to have normal kidney function despite the other mild urinary tract problems. If I could recommend anything to anybody that's watching this with prune belly syndrome out there, uh, do go get checked uh, yearly. Get a creatinine and a BUN and an EGFR. Just write those down. Creatinine. BUN and EGFR. Creatinine is going to be your kidney function, your blood urine nitrate, which is showing how things are filtering, and then your EGFR lets you know where you are in the kidney scale uh, from one to five, uh, where your kidneys are failing or not. One's the best. Of course, five means that you need dialysis and you need a transplant immediately. So look those up online as well and get to know those. I won't get into the kidney stuff too much, but just do your follow-ups. Make sure they're checking those every year and they're checking your kidney function. So infections in the urinary system, uh, UTIs is another name for this. Um, it says to call your child's healthcare provider with first signs of UTIs. UTIs are prevalent in prune belly syndrome. So, so, check, so always make sure you're watching out for fevers and chills, uh, feeling like they've got to go to the bathroom more than often and they don't go. Um, that's one thing I always remember is just that discomfort feeling in my bladder, like I always had to go and then I couldn't get anything out. Um, also a burning sensation when you go to the bathroom, uh, pain or pressure in the lower back, some cloudy or dark urine, that's, that's something that's always good to look for down in the toilet. And then sometimes you might have the, a pungent smell or a bad or strong smelling urine as well. Blood in the urine, rare, but it could be there. Um, so um, there's a wide range of possible expectations if your baby is born with prune belly syndrome. Some babies do not survive, while others live relatively normal lives. The care plan does depend on the type of severity and body systems involved. Most patients need lifelong follow-up with their pediatric, pediatrician, urologist, primary care provider, social worker, counselor, and specialist including maternal fetal medicine specialists, nephrologists, pulmonary, and respiratory specialists. That is a lot to take in um, on your care team, but it's also critical and crucial. Uh, with me, I am all about my nephrologist and uh, my person in urology. So your nephrologist is your kidney doctor. Urologist is going to deal more with urinary tract. So 
those are the two people that um, I keep close to. I don't really work with a social worker. Uh, I don't really work with a respiratory therapist or pulmonary because I don't have heart issues. I don't have lung issues. Mine were mostly my urinary tract and my kidneys. Um, so that's who I've always uh, been involved with and following up. And then my family doctor. Um, one of the things I'll say this, you know, when I was talking about my creatinine at 21, when they said I was 13, they had told me that based on that number, uh, and I was again, 21, that I was probably in kidney failure since I was about 16 or 17 years of age. I just did not realize it because I was in very good shape. I was a wrestler. I was a football player. Uh, I was a runner. I did a lot of things. I was very, very active kid. And so uh, even though my kidneys were failing, I never realized it, nor did the doctors at the time ever think to look at my creatinine or anything of that matter because of my prune belly syndrome. Again, it wasn't something that was well known at the time. This was back in 1990, uh, you know, over what, 20, 30 years, 30 years ago. So, you know, prune belly syndrome was still fairly new uh, to the medical world. Now there's all kinds of resources. I think prune belly syndrome network got started back in, I think, 2000, maybe 19, maybe 2001 or 2005. I can't remember the first time I, I, that they had started getting the organization going uh, back then. But, you know, there's there's it's come a long way since then. And and there's a lot more studies being done for things, uh, which is a blessing. But uh, anyways. So that is about all I've got um, that I wanted to talk about on here. But the biggest things that I just want for people to take away from this. So there we go. Okay, so we had a question here about which binder do you recommend me, please? So actually, I go and I get mine from Amazon.com, and I will give me a second, and I can bring that up uh, where I get that at. So it is a, a I like the ones that have the three prongs; they're kind of stretchy on them, and uh, and they're just a lot more comfortable. So I will I will show this on the stream here. So here you can see what it is. It's just a binder lower waist support belt with compression. So this is what it looks like. It's got the three three support things on there. Uh, hopefully you can see that pretty good. But this is the one that I like. It goes it goes from just underneath my chest all the way down to the bottom of my stomach. And of course you can get different sizes depending on what your waist size is. But this is the kind of binder that I like and what I find most comfortable for me. So I do hope that that helps. Um, I get that from Amazon, it's only 19 bucks. And the reason I do it that way is because if you go to a medical supply store or something like that, they wanna charge you like 30 or 40 bucks. Now, if you have insurance, you can get a prescription written from your doctor and I have done that as well, and then you can get them for free. But um, now I just don't really waste the time with getting them because I'll buy three or four at a time, and they last me about a year and a half or so. So um, I'll, I'll wear a binder and change it out about every other day uh, unless I've been sweaty or anything like that. Uh, then I'll change it daily, but otherwise I don't worry about it too much. But anyways, Fernando, I hope that kind of helps answer that question for you. If anybody else has any questions, 
you could put them on here after this video uh, stops or if you want you can always uh, you know get a hold of me on Facebook or you can go to uh, Midwest Kidney Warriors uh, Facebook page or you can go to the focus on the warrior page uh, for this show and you can always message me there as well so um, I've always tried to share everything about what I go through even when I've gone through kidney fire I've shared the hard times and the bad times and and I do this because I hope that it helps other people out there and that I can bless other people so if anyone's got questions or, or anything whatsoever please get a hold of me I can't give you medical advice but I can sure maybe help you point you in the right direction or kind of let you know some things that I've gone through of myself so uh, I do want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in and watching today, and uh, hopefully uh, some of you found this kind of informational, and uh, hopefully this uh, helps some people out there. So I want to thank everyone again, and uh, everyone have a great day. Take care, and uh, God bless you all very much.